Okay, so selfishness, dream buster. My husband, um, Britt, and I get to talk about this this weekend um, and just what it means, what it can look like in our lives. And um, we're really speaking out of weakness in this topic. So I never really realized until I started preparing for this class how selfishness creeps in in ways that I wasn't even aware of until I started really analyzing the different parts of my life and the different areas that selfishness can affect. So we're going to talk about that. And so in prep, I asked him, so we're talking about selfishness. What are you going to say? Like, what are you going to address? And he's like, well, I'm just going to say, don't be selfish. And I was like, that's pretty good advice. I think that that's worth saying. So um, we'll start with that. We're going to talk about, um, like I said, the areas of our life that it creeps into, what it does to us as people and as disciples, and how it ultimately busts God's dream for our life. Um, and you know, selfishness, it's interesting because it comes in so many different flavors. Um, it can seep into parts of our life that we probably wouldn't have even had considered without taking the time to really think about it and pray about it and analyze, okay, what are my motives in this choice that I'm making? Um, and there are a couple times that I'm gonna ask for some feedback and I would love, genuinely love you all to give me feedback and participate throughout this process. It's just so much better that way. Um, okay, so we're going to start by defining what selfishness is. Um, so kind of like, um, I can't remember now if it was Robert or Mackie that started off with just kind of like a definition and looking at how does this show up in the world and how does this show up in scripture. And I mean, no surprise, the Bible, scripture offers a much richer understanding of really what it is and what it does to us. So the internet definition, I just Googled selfishness definition, is being concerned with yourself over someone else, lacking consideration or concern for others, concerned with your personal profit or pleasure, which is pretty good. That I would say really lends to um, the choices that we make, how we analyze our lives as followers of Christ, if that's where you're at. Um, and then I looked up, so I love having a visual um, and I love music and I love um, videos like music videos and so I was like oh maybe I can like show a video that like helps us really like understand what this means so I YouTube selfishness bad choice <laughs> and I was like what you know is going to be the result of this can I can I bring something to help us see I'm a visual learner and I know other people are as well. And so I, I was like, is there something that I can show that will help us really, really capture what this means to us? So the first result is this um, selfishness song. And it's this rapper. It's P&B Rock. I was not familiar. Are you familiar? Perfect. Okay, so you may already have the visual in your mind. Um, and so he's singing about wanting this woman all to himself. And um, she is a adult dancer. And so she's like, you know, engaged in her profession. And he's like singing about wanting her all to himself. And um, like all of these other men have access to her, all the things. And I was like, that's probably not the visual that I want to bring. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell you about it. So there's that. And I was like, okay, that's not exactly what we're going for. We could probably pull some life lessons from that. But anyway, so like I said, the biblical definition just gives us so much depth and understanding and helps us understand really what selfishness does to us as people, the effect that it has on us. 
the way it busts God's dream for our life. Um, and the world just doesn't measure up when it comes to the depth of understanding, like all the things. Um, and we live in a world that promotes selfishness. And it's sneaky. And it's tricky. It's the you-do-you message. It's a lot of what Matthew talked about this morning of, okay, I have this dream. And the dream in and of itself may not be bad, but if God isn't at the forefront of that, um, it is selfish. If you are your motive, that can be your filter for, is this a dream that I have for my life that I'm trying to involve God in? Or is this a dream that God has for my life that he has given me the gift of being involved in? Um, and like I said, speaking from weakness, I very much existed in the former for a lot of my discipleship journey. I'm very um, goal-oriented. I want certain things for my life. And so, especially through college and in my pursuit of career, I had the filter of, well, I think that this is something that God, that would be pleasing to God. And how can I involve him in this goal that I have and hope that I have for myself. And that's just not the way things work. And it's actually better for us when it's not the way things work out. And we're going to talk more about that. And so in pursuit of searching for scripture that helps us really understand what selfishness is, I landed on, uh, and Mackie actually also brought this verse up this morning, which I thought was so cool. We're going to look at a different version of it. Um, Philippians 2, 2 through 4. So I have the message translation written down that I'm going to share with you all. Um, and, you know, the message is very storyteller-esque. Um, the NIV is a very, like, helpful and accurate translation. So just keeping that in mind. But I thought the way this was written would really help us understand what it is. So the title of this section of scripture in the message is, He Took on the Status of a Slave meaning Jesus, meaning the person that we are aiming to mirror in life as disciples. And it says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. <coughs> Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand, which is totally counter to what the world tells us. Um, in school, whether you're you know, actively taking classes right now, you're a student, if you've graduated and you are in the world of career and business, this is totally contrary to the message that we're being pushed. It is so, the world is so focused on how can you be number one? How can you get ahead? How can you prevent lending a hand to someone so that you can be number one? And the message of scripture is totally in the opposite direction of that, of how can you put yourself aside so that another can benefit, so that you can love your brothers and sisters better. And then in Matthew 20, 28, it reads, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He gave his life as a ransom for many. And so that's a couple of um, pieces of scripture that describes Christ in this service-oriented position. 
Um, and whenever you're in a selfish mindset, service is the first thing to go. You are not worried about how you can benefit another. You are worried about how you can benefit yourself. And I want us, I think probably more than anything, I want us to understand how selfishness busts God's dream for our lives. But I want us to understand the depth of what selfishness can be. And like I said, I'm going to keep going back to the fact that it's sneaky. It can be intertwined into literally any choice that we make throughout the day, um, even if it isn't blatant. So you probably all know that person, um, whether you're, like I said, on a college campus um, as a student, or you're in the working world, or both, or um, everyone you know is a part of a family, um, whether you're actively engaged in those relationships or not. Um, but you know the people who just like ooze selfishness who you you can probably picture someone in your mind right now maybe someone you work with maybe someone you live with where it's just like they won't do anything for anybody but themselves and it's so maybe you are that person and if you need to be honest with yourself that's great that's why we have a selfishness class i've been that person it's a continual choice not to be that person each day but those people it's just like you just almost can't stand being around them. You're like, I just need you to drive me up to the car repair shop because my car broke down. And it's just like, no, I can't. I have other priorities. Or hey, would you just come help me move this person? Would you help me reach out to this student who is in desperate need of relationship with God and relationship with this community? And it's just like pulling teeth and you're just like, come on and it comes in that form but it comes in much more uh, much less explicit forms so um, and we're going to talk about some specifics of that but I want us to understand that even if we're not that person that it's just like man it's blatant you kind of have that reputation where people are like yeah they're sure not going to help you with whatever you have going on the way we feel about those people is the way God feels about us when we make those little, sneaky, selfish choices. It's the same. Even if it doesn't look or feel the same or you think your motives are pure or whatever the case, or you're trying to fit God into this peg in your dream for your life, the way God feels about it doesn't change. It repulses him. The way it repulses us being around someone that's selfish because you're just like, come on, just, just lend a hand. Like the scripture in Philippians, if you've benefited at all from being a part of this community, with, if you're here, you have. Everyone here this weekend has benefited from being a part of a God-centered community because the hours of effort and energy and prayer that go into this weekend, none of us probably can totally wrap our minds around and we're all getting to benefit from that. Okay, so what can we be selfish with? So I'll start, I'll start with feedback from you all. What are some of the things that you can be selfish with? Just yell them out. Time. Time. Money. Money. Things. Yeah, everyone, I think, said time collectively. That's kind of interesting. Because <laughs> um, it's the thing that you can't see, you know? Emma? People, absolutely. Your family, because you have such an awesome family, it'd be easy for you to think, oh, I just want to keep them to myself instead of having these college students infiltrate my home every day. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, so yeah, we can be selfish with the physical things, our money, our car, our home, our stuff. Um, the example of 
I don't really want to pick up that for person for cross chat because they smell. And I don't want them in my car because my car is going to smell like them. Okay, I don't really want people over at my house because I just cleaned my house. I have a limited amount of time. I don't want you to mess my house up. My stuff, the unseen belongings we can be selfish with. Our time, which maybe that's why we're all in the selfishness class together because that's a struggle for us. We all say time together. Our energy, we can get locked into the trap of my energy is finite. I only have so much I can spend on another person. Um, my knowledge, my knowledge not just of um, scripture, which we're all called to share with others so that they you know, can have this relationship with Christ and his community, but even my knowledge of resources. You know, maybe you have someone that you're reaching out to or maybe you've been the person that really needs help in the area of like financial management or um, hygiene or self, uh, just taking care of your body, whatever that looks like. Um, if you don't want to take the time to sit with someone and explain those skills to them, that's you being selfish with your knowledge. You know, it may come really easy of you, easy for you to take care of yourself, to know what it means to go to the doctor. We're all women. That's all super important. We got a lot of body issues, okay? Um, not everyone has that growing up. Not everyone has, especially a mother, um, which is the mother's role to take the time to sit with her daughter and say, hey, this is, this is really important that you know this about your body, but this is what's gonna happen to you, okay? Um, and we can be selfish with, and this is where I think selfishness is the sneakiest, with our hearts, our thoughts, and our prayers. If you spend the majority of your time thinking about yourself and praying about yourself, which is also something that Mackie mentioned, that is an area that you need to spend time addressing selfishness in. And I get really caught up in the, um, the cycle or the thought of, okay, I'm praying about this, this opportunity, so that I can be more effective in ministry. So I am um, in graduate school right now, taking online classes, involved in campus ministry in Claremore, and my job is something that I just have always kind of fixated on. It's like that obsessive thought of just like, am I in the right place? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is there something better? Where do I need to be? God lead me. God give me opportunities. And um, so I've spent a lot of time praying about that. And that isn't bad. I don't want us to walk away thinking, okay, we can't spend any time um, praying for ourselves, praying for opportunities that will allow us to glorify God more. But for me, it got to a place where it was like, okay, we get it. And if God wants you in a different place and you are actively seeking him with all of your heart and aiming to glorify him and being obedient to him, he's going to get you there. So I just want to leave you with that. Um, something else we can be selfish with is our sin. Selfishness in and of itself is sinful. It doesn't please God um, because Jesus was the opposite of that. He was selfless. We were told he came to be a servant and to serve. Um, but whatever it is, kind of like Mackie was saying, you're accept. Like, I, I just am not going to share this. Okay, you don't get to be selfish with your stuff anymore. When you die to yourself, everything that's a part of your story is free game. 
okay, to help another, to go and to seek and to save the lost. Um, and we'll talk more about that later too. So we've talked about what it is, kind of the areas that it can creep into our lives, um, blatant and not so blatant. And so we're going to talk about uh, what selfishness does to us. And selfishness ultimately, like all of the dream busters that we're talking about this weekend, it robs us. It robs us of God's dream for our lives because our dreams, no matter how big they are, and even no matter how good they are, we as human beings, even as followers, maybe especially as followers, have a tendency to settle for something that is good when God's plans for us and his dreams for us are so beyond good, we can't even wrap our mind around it. Okay, and it's tough for us to wrap our mind around a dream that maybe um, isn't attractive to us or maybe isn't our idea being great and better for us when we are not the protagonist of the story. When everything doesn't revolve around us. You know, at face value, our human brains and our flesh is like, that doesn't even make sense. How could that be what's best for me if, I, if it's not about me, if I'm not the center of the story? Um, and dreams that people have these days for themselves, compared to what God has for us, they just fall short because we are at the center of those stories. We're living our lives in first person. It's me, it's I, and God says, it's actually me, it's actually I, it's actually we, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I'm going to take a moment to tell you a story before we dive into Acts and look at um, the selfless life that Paul lived um, and the selfless decisions that he made uh, that honored God and God's dream for his life. So um, this is a pretty pivotal part of my discipleship experience. So I was reached as a freshman in college at Tulsa Community College. I grew up occasionally going to church kind of an Easter and a Christmas. So I had, you know, I had a concept of Christ, but as far as um, dying to self, as far as discipling, being discipled, all of that was, was totally new. Okay, so I am a freshman in college. I'm a baby Christian at this time. I'm doing my best to follow what God needs me to do. I'm doing my best is probably generous when it came to listening to my leaders. I probably would not say that was my best. Um, somewhere in the average range okay and so I'm a baptized believer I'm going to classes at this community college and I meet this student named Connor and Connor thinks I hung the moon okay we have English class together we sit by each other every day we form this really really fast friendship that turns into a really really fast relationship okay Connor is coming around, he's coming to cross chat, people are outreaching to him just like they outreach to me, but I don't fully understand the concept of, of that process and fully understand what's happening. And I'm just like, I want Connor all to myself because he tells me what I wanna hear, he thinks I'm wonderful. I was in a headspace whenever I was um, early on in college of just not having friends, even though friends were surrounding me in this community of God, because all of my high school friends had gone to a four-year university. And so I was at a place of, gosh, I'm the loser who stuck around and went to community college for two years, you know? Um, I'm not having the college experience, and so I'm caught up in that trap, enter Connor, and he just seems to fulfill all of those missing pieces in my life, okay? 
So Connor and I are doing our thing. We're being very sexually inappropriate. All the while he's coming to cross chat, all the while I'm keeping everything to myself. I'm keeping my sin to myself. I'm keeping our time spent together to myself. And it seems to be working fairly well until someone pulls me aside and says, we need to study the Bible with Connor. He's coming around, he's consistent, he's open. Connor was one of those people that was so fun to be around. I mean, everybody that spent time with him, male, female, he was fun, he was funny, he was energetic, he was outgoing. Um, someone that would have been a really wonderfully plugged in human being when it came to seeking and saving the lost, okay? Very natural skills and talents and all the things. And so I think to myself, this is not good. Connor is going to sit down and he's going to study the Bible with someone and all of this sin is going to be exposed and most importantly I'm going to have to stop doing what I like doing on the side. It was my temple that was off to the side that no one got to touch, that no one got to be involved in, even the people that were closest to me, okay? So I get pulled aside, this is communicated, and I think to myself, you know, that probably is what needs to happen. And so I prayerfully explore that, and I step aside, and I let this take place, and I prioritize Connor and his relationship, and anyone that is here with Tulsa knows that that's a load of crap, that that's not what happened, that Connor isn't here anymore, because I prioritize myself over him, and that's something that I'll live with. And when I go before God at the end of my life, he's going to ask me about him. And he's going to wonder where he's at. And you know, Connor did study scripture. He did become baptized and he did walk away, which is free will. Because God loves us so much that he gives us a choice every day, whether we're going to choose him or choose ourselves. But he also, and this is what's so significant about selfishness, he also loves us so much that he lets us be involved in his world-saving and soul-saving plan. And I could have been that, and I chose not to be. And so what I want to express to you today is we all constantly have a choice to make. Okay, don't let it sneak in. Don't have a Connor that walks away because you've sinned a confusing message. We... <laughs> As women are super good naturally at sending confusing messages. It is our specialty. And so if we don't fight against that, that's what's going to happen, okay? And so I'm going to look at, we are going to look at Paul's life. We're going to look at Acts 26, verses 8 through 20. We're going to read those verses, um, and then we're going to look at four selfless choices that Paul makes that we can parallel in our lives, Okay. testimony that he's sharing before King Agrippa, okay? Starting in verse 8. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raised the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another, 
to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Ask yourself, what are you so obsessed with? On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and all and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their good deeds. That's a summary of Paul's testimony. I encourage you, if you don't have more context about Paul or haven't been exposed to a lot of his life, um, a lot of the New Testament is accredited to his writings. He has a life worth analyzing in the selfless choices that he made when God got a hold of him. When he got to a point where it was, you choose me or you choose what you're obsessing over. And so, like I said, we're going to look at those four choices so looking at verses 8 and 9, it reads, Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, so Paul has a pretty, I guess you could say extreme story um, from a slaughterer and murderer of Christians to probably the most evangelical other than Christ example we have in scripture. And so the first choice that we can make, regardless of what our story is, is I choose to believe that God, who raised Jesus from the dead, can and will powerfully use me to make disciples. And it's so cool to see, so this happens every year at family vacation, and it's already happened um, after a couple of keynotes. It's come up that it it is so insignificant, I can't even put into words, your background or skill or experience or education when it comes to making disciples. So long as you are submitting to God and obedient to God, you are capable and he is calling you to that. Um, and I have seen, and it's such a privilege to see, some of the most probably naturally incapable human beings be so incredibly effective for the kingdom. Um, and that's an eternal dream that is going that they are going to get to experience because of their submission to him. Okay, secondly, I choose to obey what God has revealed to me about making disciples. Uh, and so this very much falls in line with um, what your dream is versus what God's dream is for your life. And if your filter is a worldly priority where you are fixing
or placing disciples into that dream or goal, that ain't it. Okay? Your priorities are reversed if that's the case. Our priority should be seeking and saving lost people. And whatever situation God places us, that should be our priority versus getting to a specific place or reaching a specific promotion, et cetera, et cetera. And it's amazing to see, so I won't say it happens every time because I'm just one person in a community of people that have had this experience, but when you let go of that obsession that you have to be with a certain person, to have a certain job, to be in a certain place, to have a certain degree, when you let that go and you prioritize God, in my experience, I still get the thing. Not always, but a lot of the time. God wants us to be so sold out to him, and he wants to bless us. But first and foremost, he wants us to glorify him and have that as our priority. Okay, so thirdly, I choose to go where Jesus has sent me to fulfill his great commission of making disciples. Reference verse 16 to 18. Um, and this is a, a special point because choosing to go where God has sent you could mean being right where you're at. It could mean being right in the city that you're placed in, right on the campus that you're placed in, the classes that you're in, that basic class that you have to loop back and take your senior year because your advisor didn't catch it, and you're like, why am I in this class? That could be you choosing to go where God has sent you to make disciples. It could be literally anything. It's not being sent. It's being content right where you are because there are people around you that need Jesus, and that is enough. And fourthly, I choose to persevere at making disciples for Christ and others. Okay, persevering through anything that life has in store for you. And like I said, the life of Paul, it's, um, it's chaotic, it's scary, it's full of persecution, it's full of people leaving him, um, people that he was in the fight with who are walking away. Possibly his wife leaving him because of that. Um, and we are, and I'm sure many of you already have, experienced those things because of this calling that's on your life. Um, and I guess I should say, you know, if you're unsure what that looks like, if you're unsure of that calling or that eternity, ask someone this weekend. And there's someone that will gladly sit down with you and look at what the Bible has to say about who you are and whose you are. Okay, so I want us to parallel our lives, and I want us to think this through. What decisions are we making out of selfish ambition that if you chose selflessly, your life would look a lot different? The lives of others around you would look a lot different. The eternities of people around you would look a lot different. And Paul gives us that example, and we can make those four choices, and we can analyze that selfishness is creeping into areas that we didn't even think it could go into. Okay? And so I want you to think about the story of Connor, and maybe you have a Connor right now that you need to turn over. Kind of like Mackie was talking about with the accept. Do you have something that you really don't want anyone to touch, whether it's 
active sin, whether it's a prayer that you have for yourself that you're not confident, isn't selfish in nature, um, a dream that you have for yourself, you're in the perfect place to have those discussions this weekend. And there is nothing holding you back except for yourself from going there with someone, okay? And so I just, I kind of want to conclude with, I have a couple more stories, but just with the idea that we have one chance to live a selfless life. We have one shot. That's it. That's all we got. Um, And we have an eternity with God waiting for us. And it's so difficult. Uh, I feel like, especially when I was in college, it was so difficult for me to wrap my mind around that because I was like, I'm so young and I have this whole life ahead of me where I can, you know, accomplish these goals that are going to be so fulfilling. And I'm not super far removed from school, but it's already like, man, it's so short. Like, I got here so fast. And there are so many things that I would do differently when I was in school, you know, getting my undergraduate degree when I was in physical classes with students with that filter. And we only have one chance. And there's just no limit to what God can do through us whenever we choose him over ourselves and we choose to be selfless over selfish. And so I have a story. Um, I think I have time. I have a story, and it's going to feel sort of disconnected, but, uh, and maybe I just want to force this in because I think it's really interesting. That might be the case, and if that's the case, just forget about this part of today. But, um, so I've been watching these, I I love podcasts. Does anyone listen to podcasts? Okay, cool. So I love podcasts, but then my, my podcaster that I love is no longer doing podcasts, so I was like, okay, now I have to find a new podcast. Um, and so I've been watching these videos on YouTube, and it's, and the channel is Soft White Underbelly. Has anyone heard of that? It's super good. You have? Let's go. It's super good. Do you listen to them? No, not really. I've just heard of them. Okay. I would recommend it. Some of it's pretty disturbing, so just being aware of what you need when you need it, but So it's this journalist that travels the country and he interviews um, people that would be labeled as kind of on the fringes of our society. So he interviews, like he goes to um, West Virginia and the Appalachian Mountains and people that just like haven't been exposed to other human beings um, and the effect that that has on them. He interviews a lot of drug addicted people um, in the midst of their addiction. He interviews a lot of people that are on Skid Row in Los Angeles, um, just people that are really kind of down and out. And so he did an interview with a former porn star. Okay, so she spent the majority of her young years, she's in her 40s, um, of her young years participating in filming pornography um, and participating in adult entertainment. And so he asks, he always asks about their childhood and what got them to this point and their family. Um, and so She's no longer participating, and so he gets to this point where he's like, what made you stop participating in the industry? You know, what got you to a place where you could walk away? And so she grew up with, a, with an awareness of Jesus, just like the majority of people do in the United States, um, but not a deep relationship with him, not an understanding of what he says about her. And so um, she was in her 20s, 
participating in this industry, and she had this boyfriend, and she talks throughout the interview of just desperately longing to be loved by someone. She really, really wanted to have a husband, and she really, really wanted to be a mom. And so that led her to relationship after relationship. That was her dream that just let her down. And so then she gets in this relationship with this man, and she's like, this is it. And he had a son from a previous relationship. She's just like, oh, he's going to love me, and I get to be a mom. Like, all these good things. She's still participating in the industry, and he's an actor. Okay, and so he's in another part of the country filming a um, movie, and she is, like, very convinced that if he gets out of her sight, he's going to do something that hurts her because that's always what happens. Okay, so she's like, please don't go to a strip club. In her mind, she was like, that is the, the defining action that means you don't love me and you're not choosing me. So he leaves, and sure enough, he makes this choice. Sure enough, he makes this choice that hurts her. And so she goes, and she knows. And he tells her, and so she flies to this part of the country to visit him. I promise this has a point. She flies to this part of the country to visit him, and she's meeting his coworkers, who are actors and, um, you know, filming people, whoever's involved in making TV. And this guy is talking to her, one of his coworkers, the boyfriend's coworkers, and he's like, so what do you do for a living? And she's like, I'm a model. And he's like, okay, what kind of modeling do you do? And she's like, like um, new car advertisements. And she's like, he wouldn't let it go. He just kept asking me, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do for a living? How do you spend your days? And so finally she gets to a place where she's like, yeah, I um, film porn. I'm a adult entertainer. Because he just wouldn't let it go. And he's like, yeah, I know your boyfriend told us. And she's crushed. And she's this person that she put so much stock into just lets her down. This dream she had, this, this idealistic place that she would reach in her life. She's like, it's all gone. And he's telling people what I do and he's showing people my pictures and my videos and I'm crushed. And the guy asks her if she believes in God. And she's like, well, I, you know, I used to, I don't really know anymore. All of this bad stuff has happened to me. I don't know how I could wrap my mind around um, God being good when I experienced all of these things and I feel so lost and I, you know, had grips on this dream and it slipped through my fingers and he just tells her how much God loves her despite, and she's like on a movie set somewhere, how much God loves her despite these choices and he just looks at her and he tells her, you don't have to do this anymore. You know, you can make a choice that's different for your life that is going to lead to the fulfillment that you're after. And this is on a YouTube channel, okay? It's not an evangelical in nature channel, but it's just, it's her story. And I don't know, um, she eventually got married to a really kind man who treats her well and she's involved in a church. And you know, I don't know the specifics of that and you know, the doctrine of that, but the point is, that was a very selfless choice that that man made to tell her, you don't have to do this anymore. And I just want to 
And he, she goes on to talk about how much flack he got on the set for telling her that and for talking about God in that industry, in that environment. And I just want us to think, are we doing that? Are we going to people and saying, you don't have to do this anymore. There is better for you than the dream that you have, than the boyfriend that you're placing all your hopes and dreams in, the degree, the job, even though those aren't bad things, you don't have to obsess about this anymore. You can be freed from that. And so I'm like, I'm listening to this, this story and I'm watching her story and I'm like, why am I so obsessed with this? I, I love the YouTube channel, but I'm like, why am I so obsessed with sharing this? Like, do I just love it? And so I feel like I need to tell people. And then I thought to myself, it's the woman at the well that Jesus approaches and he's like asking her questions and she's like putting him off and he won't let it go. And then he says, you don't have to do this anymore in a way that Jesus does, you know. So that's what I want to leave you with, is looking at ourselves, looking at the choices that we make and the ways that selfishness creeps in, um, and asking ourselves, are we remembering that for ourselves and are we telling other people that? Um, or are we too busy thinking about the things we need to do and too focused on the limited amount of time that we have for ourselves? So I love you guys. I'm praying that this weekend is everything that needs to be for you. Uh, that's all I got.